Hey, what's up, y'all? Hey, peace, hey, peace, hey, peace. Hey. How oh, you What's the gosh. motherfucking shit, darling? Oh, this week has been pretty amazing. We were on TV. Hey. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> okay. They, they released a special um last Thursday and it was really, really good. And did you watch it, LJ? Yes, I was able to I didn't catch all of it, but I did catch I caught our segment, of course, which was amazing. And you looked amazing. Um yes. And then um I caught um some of the other segments. I caught the one around religion. Which was really with Robin Roberts. That was really yeah. good. It was really deep to uh, learn about. I'm sure we'll talk about some more about the church out in New York. Um, yeah, and caught some of the other discussions that folks had. But I didn't catch all of it in its entirety. So I'm, I look forward to doing that though. Mm. Mia, did you watch it? No, I only got the clip you guys put it in our um, group chat. From the mm. clip, it looked good. Like I, like I was telling you before we started, you looked amazing. Oh, thank you, right. thank you, thank you, thank you. I just was gagged that they went back and found the, the old school footage. <laughs> oh, so you didn't you didn't know that they were so they include it? You didn't know they were including that footage? No, I just knew I told them about because they in in the questions that they asked me, you know what I'm saying? They knew my why they chose me was because the historical part. Because if you remember, if if you saw that part, certain parts of the thing they were talking about high school and stuff that people go through in high school. So once they had they were using mm. me to connect the historical change that had happened from, yes. you know, 95 to, to now. And so, um, yeah. And so they were wow. like, okay, well, we're going to bring you and we're going to talk about, you know, what happened in your history in regards to suing um, your high school. And I was like, oh, okay. And so um, once I told them that it was on the news, they was like, hmm, <laughs> well, let's see if we can find oh, okay. that footage. We are ABC. I'm sure okay. we had some kind of affiliate on it. And they did. Um, so, yeah. Wow. But wow, yeah, man. I didn't know that they were going to, um, <laughs> I didn't know if they were, I, I, it's not that I didn't know. I didn't know they were going to find it. I didn't, I didn't really think about it too much. I thought that they were going to, you know, I didn't really know. I didn't. I didn't think about it too long to, um, to wonder about it. But I was like, I'm pretty sure they can find it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they can. And so they did, baby. When I had seen it, I was like, Oh, the glow up is real because <laughs> I was bony and a brick, baby. <laughs> but but us, no, diamond back then, like the look of women, it was different. Like small was different. Hey, Moss, yeah. yes, it definitely was different in the 90s a little bit. Yeah. Wait, it was the 90s, the waif. The waif. <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> but it was, it does give the, it didn't make me feel super, super, it did make me feel super, super nostalgic because mm. I, when I saw it, I felt, I, my body went back to the feeling of that moment. Like the mm. the joy of that moment, like the because mm. it the where y'all what y'all see is me literally at the prom, like I'm I'm about to walk into mm. the prom, so that was it, it was a moment of whatever you know that rebellious spirit that you have when you're a child and you actually when I actually won and this is me being able to peacock and <laughs> and talk and yeah, talk stunt. my shit and stunt like you bitches thought i was gonna lose right you thought that i wasn't gonna win you was trying it bitch but here we here i am i want and all these motherfucking cameras is here to exactly. throw it in your face <laughs> literally yeah. i have to bring my ticket to her 
like because she's at the desk to accept the tickets to get into the prom. The the the, the, the woman, the, the principal, working, get put with the pushback. The principal, the principal who said I couldn't go to the prom. Right, right. She was right. the one who was gonna take your ticket, and she was trying wow. everything. Like she literally was trying to. Um, she stopped the ticket sales for the prom early than it was supposed to be, <laughs> so I wouldn't be able to buy a ticket to the prom. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, wow, that's like Right. She ditched every... Once she found out I won, she was trying to do every single thing that would prevent me to go. So once she realized, because everybody had registered for their tickets, once she realized that I didn't have a ticket, she tried to shut down the ticket sales earlier than they were supposed to be, the deadline than they were supposed to. So I wouldn't be able to buy a ticket. So yeah, you won, but you don't have a ticket to come. Right. But one of my homegirl, Aisha, she said, bitch, I'm pregnant and I don't, I, I had bought my ticket, but I'm pregnant. And she was in high school pregnant. She was yeah. like, and I'm not going. So mm-hmm. here's my ticket, bitch. Where they ass out. <laughs> Shout out <laughs> to the, the many yes. women throughout my school days that kind of stepped up and, and did this type of shit for me. And so mm-hmm. she, she literally said, honey, I literally am uh, going into labor. Come get this ticket so you can go. Oh, wow. And, um, <laughs> and so she gave me the ticket and, um, I used the ticket to get in and, wow. you know, it, it was in that moment. I just remember being just really proud of myself and feeling like, oh, y'all thought that I wasn't going to win, but here you go. It was the nostalgia. And so seeing it took my body back to that proud, mm-hmm. joyous moment mm-hmm. that, I, that I had forgot about. <laughs> I mean, that's such a, I mean, that's such a, a huge moment. I mean, mm-hmm. I can't, I can't even imagine. I mean, and then you also have to, you also had like a repeat in college, right? Essentially. Well, well, more kind of similar. Well, not the same, but in the sense of um, not some law, not some um, you know, precedent-setting law, but in college, it was more that I was doing something that had never been done openly. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. At the time, they thought that I was the only trans woman that had done it. But I have come since to, and come across a, a trans woman who had done it before me, but she was stealth. And, okay. and once they found out that she wasn't stealth, once they found out that she wasn't cisgender, they pushed her out of school. Okay. And so she never told anybody about it. I tried to get her to come mm. on a show. I tried to get her to come on the show, but she's super, super stealth and don't want to kind of be exposed. Okay. And so she's... You know, she said yes at first, but then because I was like, oh, this is historic. I want you to be on the show, da da da, da. But she changed her mind. <laughs> yeah. um, she she tried out, she's, she's, she even crossed AKA. Wow. And if you remember, I told y'all, AKA wow. wouldn't let me cross. When I tried to get, when I tried to um, pledge AKA, all the all the students were down like they were like yeah come on like be a aka or whatever but yeah. the 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 president of in that was the, of the chapter of the chapter at the school was this um cis woman and she of course it's this woman um she um and she was like Mm-mm, we ain't uh-uh. church girl church lady mm. she was like no ma'am mm-hmm. y'all tripping <laughs> you i mean you passed the test diamond <laughs> So, you know, the they, <laughs> they show was trying to get me, but she was like, no, 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 no. Um, but yeah. she had, but the clock, the, the sickening thing is that she did cross AKA. And yeah. so 
So, but she was older than me. She was, you get what I'm saying? But she she was one of the first girls. She was the first trans girl that I can that I know. I don't know if anybody stealth before her happened, but the I did find out. And literally it was like a year before me. Wow. And that's why when I came, which was unbeknownst to me, when I came to Jackson State, they already had these these attitudes about transness and already had what because. they were going to do and blah, 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 blah. Literally, mm-hmm. once they found out I was trans, you going in the boys' dorm. There was no even other option for Late. me to do it because prior to that, they had already had a trans girl get through and be in the, in the, in the cisgender girls' dorm. And they had terrorized her and put her out. <laughs> and so she left school. Anyway, so yeah, so it, but it wasn't, but that I did do like a news thing for them. I wish that, I wonder where that footage is at. <laughs> but that was this more is like what a you were school. in Jeff. Is this what you were in Jeff for, right? With that Texas was, um, no, oh, but that was a high school. Was, that was a high school, yeah. Okay, okay. And so, um, but on, there's a public television type of deal that was happening, news and public television thing that was deal happening um, at Jackson State. And so I, I wonder where that footage is at. I would love to see that. Um, I Real talk. I I remember, like, we, we got Jet. Mm-hmm. So I remember seeing about your story and I used to keep everything. I lost I lost all of my archival footage. I had mm-hmm. videotapes, magazines, all kinds of stuff. And um, I remember, and it, you know, it's just, it's very full circle. You know, yeah, um, definitely a full circle moment for me. It was like, wow, yeah, I yeah. didn't, I hadn't thought about it um, in the sense of seeing it, and it just was a beautiful moment. And then they made me feel good just being at Stonewall and being, mm-hmm. um, oh yeah, saw that and, some of that, yeah, and coming in to tell my story because a lot of people bring me on shit to be the expert, like they bring mm-hmm. me on mm-hmm. to talk about because this is my bag and what what kind of like what I know about. Right. And am I expert on? So they bring me on not as the subject. They bring me on as the expert to talk because I have the gift of gab to talk about the subject. And so right. I'm usually the expert. And so being the focus and mm. then being able to focus on my history and focus on my current project, which is March's Plate. Um, that was just a beautiful, it was just a beautiful thing. And um, yeah, I loved it. And especially in relation to all the other stories that was going on in the special. It was beautiful to me. I loved it. Well, yes. I, can't wait to watch. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, it's it's they really really did a good a good job. Um, only correction that I would make, and it's because they didn't they asked me stuff, but not this specific thing. And I know I am somebody who kind of is an outlier in this regard. But mm-hmm. there was a statement in them this, their description of me that said I was assigned male at birth, but now I have identified as a female. I want to make a correction, and anybody who um, follows us knows that this is something I think so this is, wouldn't be new to y'all but anybody new listening I do not identify as a female <laughs> at all I identify as a woman but I don't identify as a female female is a very specific thing that I am not and so and I have no problem with saying you know that I am not I'm not in any kind of um um, I don't think that it's a contradiction to what I'm saying to who I am I am a woman but I am not a female and so that, that is, those are two very distinct things. And, um, you know, I identify with who I am, <laughs> which is a woman. Would that be male birth. because of gender being about your social construct and how you yes. navigate the world and sex being about yeah. 
and female and male being about sex, like um, mm-hmm. the, the, that sex in regards to like biology and chromosomes and da 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 da. Mama definitely had a why when she came out. The- <laughs> a why. Mama most definitely had a Y chromosome. Now, mm-hmm. there's some other things that was going on, but that Y is definitely without a doubt. <laughs> <laughs> a part of a part of my storyline that I'm not ashamed of. Anything about my history, I'm not ashamed of it. I know what it gives. And mm-hmm. so um, um, I am a woman that was assigned male at birth. <laughs> I am a woman of trans experience. So that comes with a certain level. There, there's something came before the womanhood. And as right. a yes. person of trans, trans experience, yeah. um, there was a boyhood. There was a malehood. Um I never became a man. (laughs) I transitioned too young to become a man. So I never became a man, but I definitely was born a male child. Mm. Um, I definitely was, you know, I don't mind people saying, was, were you born transgender? Yes. There was something in there that said, you're going to be different (laughs) when it comes to your body and things like that. But there definitely was a Y chromosome in there. And so I I don't consider myself a female and don't identify with being a female, Um, you know? And so, yeah, that was, that's the only correction, correction that I would make, but that's not something that they asked me. They, they, they asked me what my pronoun, they was very clear about you know, what are your pronouns? They were trying to be respectful and to make sure right. everything was clear. And, um, but that part, I think they just assumed mm-hmm. <laughs> because mm-hmm. of the language, but yes. Mm-hmm. Um, because I know mm-hmm. a lot of other trans women, they use the language of, I'm just a transgender female. Or I'm a transgender woman. I'm a trans. They use that kind of female and woman interchangeably. Right. I don't, I don't use those terms interchangeably. Mm-hmm. A female is a very specific thing. And a woman is a very specific thing. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I wanted to correct mm-hmm. that. I mean, in the, in a general sense, to be trans is to be non-binary. Like not just, not, not Fact. negating oh. non-binary. All, all trans people are non-binary. Like that's the whole point of being trans. Cause you're, you're trans, right? You're transgressing what you, what people are assuming you should be in, in the world. I but that's a good point. You know, um, but that's not to dismiss folks within the trans community who identify as non-binary with a label. Right. I think it's, yeah. As an identity label. I think that's right. Think as that's an a identity good point. label. Yeah. Yes. Like all trans people are not, all trans people are, that's the whole point of being trans. Yes. <laughs> you know, so. Awesome diamond. You look well, good. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and I appreciate y'all for for story. y'all being open to let them come in and um, record y'all opinions and stuff like that because they recorded our whole show. <laughs> they didn't put it in there, right? But they were right. here all fucking eight hours. We were here. They yeah. have been here from <laughs> one in the morning to eight thirty at night, setting oh, wow. up and 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 remember, I told y'all my motherfucking heat was out, so it you was. Did say that. <laughs> <laughs> I did recall. Houston, Houston heat. Yeah. Uh, uh, my yeah. air conditioner was out I meant and so they had came set up at like one o'clock and then they didn't leave my house till like 8 30 but they wow. were so respectful and so nice and cool pay for food and you know all that they just they just treated me well the both nights when I was in New York and when they came to my house they really just took care of me so yeah it was an amazing What's up? oh thanks ABC thanks um Carrie thanks 10 it was a uh uh uh, a black lesbian on the um <laughs> on the team and I lived. <laughs> oh wow. Well, I was living too for like two seconds. I was, I was, <laughs> I was like, yes, go 
come out, come through. And so they really made me feel good. And it, it just was an amazing experience. So check it out, Mia, since you ain't watching it, since you ain't watched it yet. You need to watch it. Yeah, I'm gonna have to renew my Hulu subscription, but or, or find find a bootleg version somewhere, girls. So they got it somewhere. Oh, I'm pretty a- sure. Somewhere. ABC, ABC streaming, right? You said they might be. It on yeah, I think well. I know everybody. Hulu, you can watch it whenever you want because it's just mm-hmm. on there. But um, on ABC, it's just oh, schedules. I saw it. I, I saw the it. I saw it when it aired. But yeah. then I also saw it on the free ABC because you know a lot of the TVs today come with channels built in, and they'll uh-huh. often have like ABC streaming or NBC streaming. Yeah. I saw it on the ABC uh, streaming the other day. Actually, yeah. Just- just remember that. So yeah, it's it's there too. If you don't have Hulu, yeah. So if you have, if you watch the special and you're a listener, um, hashtag Marxist Play and let us know what you thought about it. All right, boom. Word. Um, so apparently, uh, many young adults now identify as transgender or non-binary as an identity label. Um, as social media helps more folks come out. This was an article in uh, USA Today recently. And there are a couple things I wanted to highlight from the article and I have some questions for y'all. Um, they said about 5% of young adults identify as trans or non-binary, about three times the rate of the general population. Um, and advocates are saying the growth is driven by greater acceptance and better means of self-expression. Um, four in 10 U.S. adults now say they know someone who is trans, while more than a quarter say they have a trans friend, which is, you know, huge. Um, and uh, one of the reasons they're saying that there's an uptick in folks feeling comfortable to identify and be out is because of the presence, more presence of folks on social media platforms and the Internet. Um, they say more accurate media representation and growing terminology and social acceptance. Uh, a quote says, uh, youth are living in a world where trans identity and terminology are more accessible. It feels safer for folks to come out. Um, and they did about, they, they surveyed 10,188 people. Uh, this was done by Pew Research in May. And they also highlighted that a growing number of high-profile entertainers are coming out. Um, and federal agencies are now accepting more trans folks. Um, and they did a breakdown. They said 5.1% of adults under 30 identify as trans or non-binary. Among adults aged 30 to 49, the rate was 1.6. And for those 50 and older, it's uh, 0.3%, which is like, that's, those are some, those are some, I mean, it's just interesting to see like that breakdown. Um, and then amongst the general population, 44% adults say they know someone who's trans. That's up from 37% in 2017. More than a quarter or 27% said they have a trans friend and one, one in 10 or 9% said they know someone, said they know someone who is not, uh, who's trans, but not yet an adult. Um, and as you mentioned earlier, Diamond, like some say it's like, likely that folks already know somebody that's trans, knew someone who was trans and just didn't know. Um, and uh, a couple other highlights said young adults were also more likely to be familiar with terms such as non-binary and gender fluid. Um, and this emergence of a palette of terms to describe one's identity has been a turning point as has the normalizing of preferred pronouns in social media profiles and email signatures. 
um, and language has extended. Uh, uh, they say the words associated with and available to the community once limited largely to language that was meant to demean or pathologize, such as why people don't use transsexual today, uh, have expanded to include more neutral and positive terms. Um, they're saying that encourages people to figure out which terminology most accurate describes their experience. Um, they also, they said they credit the web as a driving force, especially with those in urban areas, not just offering a wealth of information, but allowing transgender and non-binary people to establish virtual connections. The internet has allowed trans youth to envision, explore, and recognize themselves in new ways uh, than many of us who are older. And so those are just some highlights uh, from the article. Definitely would love to get your thoughts in general on some of these st statistics. But also wondering for you all, like, how has the internet, obviously the internet has played a role. <laughs> oh, because we're, we're here, right? Especially you diamond, right? Um, but just like, how has the internet played a role uh, for you and your experience and your journey? Um, and also, I thought it was interesting. Um, yeah, I also thought the, the highlight around, anyway, but let's just start there. Get your thoughts on the stats and also we'll let hear how the internet has played a role in your journey. Because, yeah, there's some interesting statistics here. I think it's amazing. So that's something I've always talked about, like, as far as, like, um, like educating and stuff. I think that's something that um, we talked about in the, um, the episode that was with um, ABC. Mm -hmm. um, like, as far as, like, education and stuff. And I think that's a lot of what, like, super straight people or people with this agenda where they don't want um transness or just queer things to be taught in schools kind of like people who don't want black things black true black history to be taught in schools i think that it'll it'll um just open people's mind and and that's kind of what we see we see people meeting new trans people or more people knowing a trans person or more people knowing how they identify because they're being educated mm -hmm. how about yourself diamond I remember the internet when it started popping. It was a couple of things that I noticed. You know, I got on the internet for the very first time in 2000. Like that is the very first time that I had ever got on the internet um, on my own where I was like, oh my God, I'm creating a, uh, creating a profile. Now, you know, I had been on the internet, using the internet to you know, illegally download on Napster. <laughs> <laughs> on brand new. <laughs> in 99. Okay. Um, um, to do We're that kind of stuff. <laughs> all of that kind of stuff. So I was doing that, but I didn't use it socially until 2000. That's when I had mm. created my MySpace profile. Come on, MySpace. Um, no, no, not MySpace. Um, um, that's when I created my Black Planet profile. Oh, yeah. That's when I created, um, I, there was a, a site called College Club because that was my first year mm -hmm. of college and mm -hmm. College Club was really bomb. So it started to be this social thing that was happening for me because, you know, I'm now I'm in a social situation with school and blah, 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 blah. And I remember with Black Planet and with College Club, it was a way for dudes to talk to me mm. without other people knowing. Because, mm. you know, prior to this, 
they would have to sneak and catch me somewhere or they never would or they, they I would always be in a class or they were sneaking notes underneath your dorm door right that was in college or you get what I'm saying in, yeah. in, in high school it would be a chance like I literally will have to orchestrate like I, I've told this story I would literally have to orchestrate me being alone with some guy in order for there um, for a moment to happen like you know I remember mm-hmm. I had got stranded on purpose with this dude so he had to take me home <laughs> I remember oh. um you know purposely missing the school bail you get what I'm saying so that I could so I could get sent to the detention office because I knew oh, he, okay. I knew he was in detention. <laughs> Me and DT together, right? <laughs> and so it was so many things that I had that I had had to orchestrate to be alone for me to have a moment with a dude, but. Mm. With the me being on the internet and in creating these profiles, it was opening the door for them to see me because these were location-based situations on the internet. Right. Your profile said that you, you know, you were here in Jackson or here and wherever you were, and they would be like, "Oh, I, that's that girl. That's that trans or Particularly when everybody knew my T by this point, mm. that's that girl. That's that's the one. So they could sneak and hit me up. Not saying that this is, you know, it turned, honey, this was the beginning of me realizing the sexual objectification. But it was them. I was like, oh, this is going to change how I navigate the world when it comes to dating men and who who I'm exposed to. Because Mm. it's the first time that I was able to have to reveal my tea from a safe place of the internet. Like the safe place of being able to say, well, I'm trans and um, blah, 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 blah. And so it changed where, how I navigated dating, how I met people, all that kind of stuff. Then fast forward to um, years later, you know, how you found, how you found um, doctors, how you found um, mm-hmm. at the time, silicone doctors, I wouldn't recommend that now. But um, how you found silicone doctors, how you found all these things were through the gift of gap, how you found clients, like when you were in the escort business, how you found clients, how you found um, sites that will allow you to put ads up for free or for cheap or, you know, that wasn't expensive like Eros, that wasn't um, all these kind of things. You found these kind of survival tools from the Internet. By the time I got to YouTube era, when I started my YouTube in 2008, <clears throat> when I got to that era, everybody who was on the internet was talking about being on T for this long, being on surgery for this long. Everybody was talking about their physical medical journey. But I had already been a girl for so long that those stuff, those effects for you to see was already done. Like I hadn't... Um, you know what I'm saying? I, I've been on Moan since 16 and here I am at 26. So that was 10 years ago. So I didn't have that to offer to the community on online, to the internet. So what I had to offer was my actual stories, stuff that I had experienced with my family, stuff that I had experienced with men. Um, and that is what made people resonate with me. And so I started to see, oh, it's way more people like me, not that, now mind you, I came out in, in 95, 90, 90s era. So therefore, I've always known a trans person. I literally transitioned with my with my girl, right. Ty. She's been on the show. So me not, it's not, I always known trans people. And so, and, and because I'm trans, I know tons of them. <laughs> like we right. know our community. And so 
it's sometimes it's blind it, that blinds me because i'm in my mind i'm like god trans people been around you just now meeting a trans people trans person in 2010 you just now meeting <sighs> you just start talking about transness when laverne was on the times you just start talking about transness when the 2016 election first mentioned trans people specifically that's when you just started and and for me it's like god that's shocking but i gotta understand that i don't live a normal life and so what the internet did, it just connected me to more trans people. It connected me to more community and that connected me to more access to this world that I've created being trans and being and building community in my own people. Mio, you, we've talked about this before. I didn't have cisgender girlfriends. All my girlfriends was trans. <laughs> like I didn't, you know, the, once I got out of college, the cisgender girl thing just kind of fell to the wayside because they just started getting real in my 20s they started getting real weird um real shady real um just a lot of shady stuff going on so i i, I totally kind of kept, kept them at arms bay and so most all of my not just most all of my closest friends were trans or gay men <laughs> that was it period and so the internet to me it just gave me more community because I started meeting more trans people around the country instead of just being the ones that were in my local area. Now, the commentary that I wanted to have about it that's kind of revolves around that is, you know that the people who are not trans, who are new or LGBT who are new to this, they're going to say, oh, these people aren't really trans. They're just doing this as a trend because mm -hmm. we're, they're being exposed to more trans people. They are being um, right. exposed to, they was like, oh, now everybody want to be trans. They're not accounting for the fact that everybody had to be stigmatized. It was trans people around you, but they weren't able to come out and be themselves. Now, are there some people who I think are following a trend? Yes, I do. To be honest, the nuance of that. Yes, I do. I think some people mm -hmm. are, they because we are giving them the freedom, they have the freedom to try it and see. <laughs> right. it, it, and we can't tell them you know that they can't but if they right. are just you know they're just one of the people that that are figuring it out because there are some people who are fluid like that there are some people who know exactly who they are really really early on and then some people who are fluid just trying to figure themselves out and mm -hmm. so sometimes that look like maybe i take on the trans label for a second and then realize eh, this is really not me or it is me yay um, and so, yes, I do think that there's a trend level to it, but I also feel like the trend is that you're going to see more of us being open and safe to be able to do it. And so that's why you are seeing more people doing it. But I think that some people are going to take that as, oh, here we go. Why is it so many gay shit? Why so many gay stuff has happened? Some hotel shit. Why we got all the gay stuff on TV? Why we got all, all of a sudden everybody used to be a boy, used to be a girl, all that kind of stuff. Question for you, Diamond. Do you remember, I am not exact on the year, when they started changing the standards of care? Because that's a big part of it, too. Because the standards of care used to be like, you got to be stealth. You can't come out. You have to be a stealth, straight person. And before we give you hormones, you got to do X, Y, and Z. And, you know, with the shift to Medicaid, uh, with, under the Obama administration, covering trans health and redefining how we're looking at gender, that changed a lot of things. More insurance companies covering trans health changed a lot of things. The change in the standards of care saying, no, you don't have to do that anymore, changes everything. Right. Um, and, and so like, you know, that was a part of what you had to do to get 
hormones or I had to do to get surgery uh, for a very long time. So but for do you, me, do you recall any of that? I do recall, but also I've always been a poor black border on the under or below poverty line trans person. Mm-hmm. And so I, I never had legal, um, legal, gotcha. um, or insurance or, you know, I had to get my hormones black market. I was on mm-hmm. black market hormones since I was the first, when I got on hormones, I did go to a doctor, but I lied to him and told him that I was fucking 19. I lied to him and he mm-hmm. didn't, he just didn't background check me. And so even that was kind of illegal. Do you see what I'm saying? Even though he right. was a doctor, but right. I lied when I was 16 and said, oh, I need hormones. And he put me on uh, hormones, but he wasn't checking my blood levels. He wasn't, right. you know, he right. just was giving me the hormones. And so I would go to him and pay him literally $35 for um, the shot. And he would, and I would pay $52 for um, the pills a month that I would take once a day. Then when I went to Mexico, I got tons of fucking Perlodil and Perlitol shots from Mexico. And, and I stayed doing, I was keep them. I, I would go back every year and stack up, sell them. So everything was black market for me. So I don't know when the shift happened where people were telling, telling when people were telling trans people, Oh, you can be free now. You don't have to not mm-hmm. be stealth. When I was mm-hmm. younger, it was, you be stealth, <laughs> but, right. um, but I don't know when that shift happened because I didn't get legally legally with insurance on hormones until this year <laughs> mm-hmm. 2000 and, um yeah this year 2022 child <laughs> mia what about you uh the internet like how is that uh how has that played a role in your experience and also just your thoughts on any other stats the internet um i, I remember just being a safe space like diamond said for everybody to be able to like communicate with with guys, if that was something that you wanted, it was very, um, it was harder to do it in person because it was awkward, um, especially if you didn't have the language. And back then I definitely didn't have the language. And so um, I think that it's beautiful now that there's so many younger trans people that are educating tr- their own peers and, and not letting adults like tell them what they can and they can't do so i think that's a big part to play in a lot uh, a lot of the education um wise i think that all of it has really changed and i think that it's it's a good thing and i hope that we continue to see progress as far as education goes maybe one day we'll see it being taught in school but up to now we are educating ourselves and i think that's beautiful and I think it's a resistance to, for some people who don't like change, I think there is a resistance to some of the language change. But me, myself, I don't find it to be, um, I don't find it to be repressive. Like when people say, oh, the transsexual word um, <laughs> is out of date, da 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 I don't find that to be repressive because if I want to identify as a transsexual, I'm going to identify as a transsexual. That's okay for me, but I understand that it's not okay for some other people. And that's okay. Like, it's okay for you not to identify with that word. It's I I do. And so um, because the meaning that I have for it, how I grew up with it, it is exactly who I am. So it's not, I don't have a problem with, but I also, some people think that, this new language change and this new language to describe our different experiences. Oh, it's just trying to change everything and trying to change how I feel about myself. 
No, it's just other people trying to explain in depth about their circumstance. You can still identify however you want to identify. It's not, it's not, um, it doesn't feel like it's encumbering on my, my own personal identity. It feels like, oh, we just have way more vast language about these experiences that we are going through. And I see that in other demographics when we think about race and how and how we talk about language and the terms that have come up out of this struggle, like intersectionality and you know, massage noir, these words that now we can that we have as tools to be able to explain specific, very, very specific circumstances. And so now we have that language in our community where we can really describe very, very specific circumstances that does not apply to everybody else. But you know, I I hate to see people who act like it's like, oh my God, everything's changing, all the words, all da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. and I'm like, this is literally how we how we evolve. You know, I think, you know, to your point, looking at the statistics, right, where it's like 5% of adults under 30 identify as trans and, you know, how, how, how old are you, right? Because we're, I'm 39, I'll be 40 this year. So I'm in this 30 to 49 group of 1.6% of people in my age group identify as trans. That's very different than growing up in the world where 5%, 5.1% or 0.3% for those over 50. So that's just a different a different reality um, in terms of how you're navigating unless you're having a lot of intergenerational, cross-generational uh, situations too, mm. you know? Um, I also wanted to like acknowledge um, our allies. I've seen a big peak in al- allyship with um, cishet people and um, or just different groups that may not be a part of the LBGT community. Yes. That, I think that plays a very big part in our representation and I definitely want to give kudos kudos to them. Um, quick 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 one more one more question on this on this topic. Um the, the I put it in the chat too it says there's just so much more language to describe different uh experiences of ginger of ginger of ginger tea. <laughs> yeah of ginger. Of ginger. <laughs> hippie. Okay. Um <laughs> that encourages people to figure out which terminology feels more most accurate for their experience. And I thought that that, that stood out to me because it, it the emphasis on the terminology versus access to the services versus access to resources versus access to certain things. And I think it kind of speaks to what you were saying, Diamond, about how people kind of jump on and say, oh, this is a trend. But also you do have an element within the community of folks who are like, I'm just gonna try this on. I think with any social movement situation you have, your kind of white middle-class folks kind of driven piece of whether it's women's stuff, whether it's LGBT uh, gay stuff, whether it the, the, with a certain narrative of folks who have a certain level of privileges to try things on um, and try to in turn, you know, or what have you. Um, and so I just want to get y'all thoughts on, on that too. And capitalistic motivations as well. Oh, like absolutely. Yeah, it's- we know that there is a nonprofit complex. We know that there is a- Yes. A, 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 a um, click view business money that's coming from clicks and views. It is yes. nothing for me as a um, assigned female at birth person who, you know, if 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 I was born in the eighties and nineties, I would just be a lesbian. I would just be, um, you know, a little bit a tomboy. Blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. But now because there's some money in identifying as trans yes there's some opportunities 
in identifying as trans when previously identifying as trans would have been mm -mm, those crazy people no 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 we talk about this with b scott (laughs) previously it was it was a stigma around being trans because that was oh I'm not saying that this stigma still doesn't exist, but it's a little bit more, we're a little bit free of the shackles of it. But, oh no, they're crazy. They're, right. they're, they go too far. They're taking it to a whole nother level. I'm just gay and I like to dress a little bit masculine or I mm-hmm. like to dress a little bit feminine. Like, I'm not mm-hmm. that crazy just person that, queen. I'm not that, that, thinks I mean, I'm not trans, right. that thinks I'm something that I'm not. <laughs> you know, this is the type of language. But now there is actually opportunity and money. Now that the gay thing really isn't sensationalized, being gay ain't really the thing. It's got, right, not, exactly. not, I wanna, that's not the word. Um, it's not the thing that's given opportunity. Right. It's the trans thing that is the new litmus test. It's the new, it's the new thing. So now, of course, because the opportunity and because the money that's involved, the capitalistic motivations, there are yes. going to be people who say, Oh, (laughs) let me let me identify with being non-binary, which is trans light, (laughs) just Mm -hmm. so I can get this coin, just so I can get this coin, just so I can get this opportunity um, when under normal circumstances, I probably wouldn't. We're in interesting times. I I think uh, what coincides with some of that, too, in these times is the weaponizing of identity. You definitely see it in a way that we didn't used to see before within the trans community because you didn't have any power to weaponize anything and typically weaponizing identity is very Uh (laughs) Karen-like type shit to do. It was very like white not white people weaponize this shit on us but there's an element of that too you know uh, with the money. Can you provide some examples of that Uh, I mean I think in in a general sense like Diamond is saying like with the money comes you know um, the way I've seen it manifest is you know People want to hear tragic stories. People want to say, want to connect it to some other things and just kind of get some kind of clout. It's connected to clout, right? It's connected to clout chasing, right? Like right. when you start weaponizing your identity and being like, it's worse to be this or y'all this, that, and, 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 and just weaponizing your identity to put other people down. Mm. That's weird to me, but it is very capitalistic. <laughs> It is a very, it's following the path of white capitalism, which is based on, it's rooted in racism. You don't have capitalism because it exists. The racism is the currency. And so uh, to see that is uh, very disturbing. I don't know how long that element can last with COVID still kind of floating around because I definitely don't see it as frequently as I did before COVID started to shut things down. Mm. I, see, I see less of it now, I will say that. I see less of people uh weaponizing their transness uh because they would do it in circles yeah because they would do it in circles of people it wouldn't necessarily um i could see it i I can see how you could see it less often because usually when it happened it was in circles of people in circles in circumstances Mm -hmm. where they wanted to um get that kind of clout that you're talking about i totally i totally yeah it's weird but you know i think you know it's it's, those people are a problem but it's also some of these folks with this money for not really trying to make long-term investments in trans people in leadership development in a longer term not necessarily not everybody but definitely i've seen things with people it's like one-offs with the money because they know we broke 
Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, it's like, you know what I mean? Like, you know right. what I mean? So, you know, that kind of gets exploited. But, you know, but yeah, but typically I don't see folks who are broke doing the cloud chasing and weapon, <laughs> weaponizing activity. So I don't know. Right. But, um, but yeah, I, yeah, anyway, but I, I, I thought that was interesting, this, this piece that uh, there's just much more language to describe different gender different experiences of gender, gen, damn, I don't know why I want to say gender tea. Come on. <laughs> but different experiences of gender and then in tangent with that, that encourages people to figure out which terminology feels most accurate for their experience. I can speak for myself in terms of my own journey. It wasn't necessarily looking for the label, but necessarily looking for support around the experience, um, which is a different way to kind of lead yeah, I just, it's just interesting. I don't know. Anyway, your thoughts? No? Yeah, yeah. I, mean, it's a, I mean, it's a lot of like, I don't know if y'all seen on TikTok, but like, I haven't seen much tr- uh, cis women doing this, but I've seen a lot of cis men pretend to be trans men. Mm. And I was like, and when I yeah. first seen them, I was like, what <laughs> and now what you guys are saying is right. People are seeking popularity of it, uh, off of it because it uh, being trans, the trans topic is very popular. Like when I go on Beagle sometimes, I haven't been in a long time, but when I used to go on, there would be um, cishead people who would have the trans topic just to get popularity and mm. use trans people for that. So really, yeah, I, I agree that is happening. Definitely. Wow. You seen it just there? Or you seen it in the other, in other platforms as well? Yeah, of course. You Y'all too. remember that um, model that pretended that she was trans to um, to get like that Fendi to get a Fendi job with Fenty? What? Uh-huh. Are you serious? She wow. she she was a cis woman and she um, pretended to be trans to kind of avoid being called transphobic. And um, <laughs> wow, it was wild. Her name was um, Carissa Pinker Pink. Pinkston, Pinkerston. Yeah, in some times today. <coughs> yeah, I we never. In times where people are like, <laughs> let me pretend to be a trans woman. I mean, if it's going to benefit anybody, anybody's wow. going to, it depends on people's morals, but people will take advantage of it. If they can, like, like what was another example of it? Um, Diamond, when you have the Black Trans um, Fund for uh, people, uh, trans uh, women and trans men during the um, Oh, yeah. kind of like the beginning of the pandemic it was cis people pretending to be trans to get the funds mm. so if i think if anybody can get some type of access and they can measle their way into doing it they'll do it word that's that's my bad some people will go to any measure to access it especially if you're poor if you're poor you want the opportunity or you you know, you trying to hustle to get clout, hustle to get money, you know, and you see that people are intentionally trying to be more about diverse and diverse include diversity and inclusion kind of a work is working. And they're like, oh, we right. really want to have a trans person and you want the opportunity. I've seen it. I don't say I've seen it a lot, but I've seen it enough to know that it's happening <laughs> to, you know, hey, I'm going to pretend that I'm trans, especially if I got a kind of androgynous look let me go ahead and give take this label just so i can get this opportunity this modeling job and so yeah wow. well look y'all let us know what you think uh, i'll just throw in there real quick 
message boards is how I started off on the internet in terms of finding community uh, and learning about different support groups and things like that. Uh, Black trans, uh, men of trans experience was a Facebook group uh, for a long time uh, run by Marquise Wilson. And then later with Black Trans Men Inc started from a Facebook, like social media, like a, a yeah. social media space. And then that grew into a conference, grew into BTAC and all these things. So anyway, let us all know what you think. Um, Are you saying, JL, that it's like mm -hmm. the, the whole entity of the Black trans women is derived from Black trans men? Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It initially was Black Trans Men Inc. as a conference, and then it grew into... Yeah, uh, Carter, Carter said, we need to bring the ladies into this. And so right. he brought Camarion in. And once she was in as one of the founders for Black Trans Women's Inc., she brought me, Monica on to Monica Roberts on to um, steer where the direction of the organization is going to go. But she she was the founder. And so Carter, after the first year of founding Black Trans Men's Inc., he brought the next year we would brought on. And and now it's grown where you have Black Trans, you have mix, you have the Black, what, how are they, now how was, how was that? So the whole entity is, the whole full entity is called the Black Trans Advocacy Coalition. And yes. so within that entity, you have Black Trans Men's Inc., Black Trans Women's Inc., and Black Trans Mixed. And what's and the mix? That is for people who don't want to be on the binary, who don't identify as a woman, who don't identify as a man. For people who, you know, who we were getting a critique that our, or our, our presentation was too binary and you know culture has one shifted. of the critiques <laughs> right <laughs> for a very and, long time yes and yeah. so you know this this is that opening up that branch um was our um our attempt to be inclusive our attempt to shift with the culture our attempt to right. um understand our community and have a space that is for people who who want to kind of dismantle that binary but also keep the space for the people who want to who are okay with the binary so that was our solution and we put um, non-binary people in in that position of leadership in in those in those um, in that branch, still in its infancy, but yes. Word, word. Well, let us know, folks, what you think. Hashtag Marsha's Plate. What you think about these stats? How do you use the internet? Like, how's that worked in your journey? Let us know. Um, and you know, what do you think about these different statistics that we threw out here today? Uh, hit us up. Hashtag Marsha's Plate. Yep. So um, today I wanted to talk about, um, once again, trans kids. Y'all know I've been on the ball for that. Um, I just, I feel like this is a very important topic right now. I, I remember as a trans kid, how I felt so vulnerable. Like, I felt like even though adults were supposed to protect you, I, I never felt protected in a, that special kind of way. So I, every time I hear news about it, I'm like, okay, let me share it. So um, recently, um, there was a, a family who has a trans kid that was um, that was about to commit suicide. And the reason why he was about to commit suicide is because he just started his transition. Um, probably like a week before he started his transition, um, that's when Texas um, did that whole thing where they had CPS investigate trans families. And so right before he was about to start treatment, his um, his gender dysphoria treatment, um, well, I shouldn't say treatment, I should say his hormones, uh, but 
it, it sent him into a depression because they sent CPS to him and he almost committed suicide. Well, there were other families that were um, experiencing the same thing. Those three families came together and they um, sued the court. And from them doing that, they were able to get, um, well, fr Friday, June, June the 10th, Judge Jan Soifer, I think it's Soifer, granted a temporary restraining order protecting the three plaintiff families in the roughly 600 PFLAG members in Texas from investigations for now. So that's, uh, it may be temporary, but that's, that's a, a beautiful win because we know that those kids, you know, children are still discovering themselves. And it, it, when you think about like um, mental health, especially with LBGT community um, kids, they face a lot of detriment to their health, just being in environments that don't understand. So just imagine you're going through these things as a kid and you got, um, CPS bothering you because you're trans and you got your family that's loving you and you thinking all this can be taken away from you so I just wanted to say um I'm happy for this win for Texas because it's so conservative um I wanted to know what you guys think like do you, do you guys think that it will be held off for a long time or what exactly exactly do you think that this hold off is going to bring the parents are going to win <laughs> understand that there is a long history in regards to the right of privacy when it comes to parents, when it comes to the legal, <laughs> the law and the justice system. And they usually side with parents when it comes to what parents can do with their children. And so when it comes to how the language that they can teach them to use, what kind of the, the privacy when it comes to doctors, the privacy when it comes to what school they can go to, if they can go to private school, if they can be homeschooled, all these kind of laws that that has nothing to do with abuse, like literally because the medical field has established that this is the care for a trans child, this is the legal care, this is the, uh, the recommended care, the law is on the side of the parents. Now, how long is it going to take them to establish and is it going to take forever to get to the Supreme Court to, to stamp something in um in you know in stone i don't know how long that is going to take but these type of cases have already been um tried in court it's already it's decisions have already been made so and the court usually leans in favor of the parents being able to raise their children how they want to raise them now if, especially when it's something that doesn't have anything to do with like physical harm and, you know, stuff like this. Literally, the doctors are saying, this is how you treat a trans child. This is how you do it. And this is the supportive nature of, and all the stats said, this is how, you know, when it comes to trans children, their life changes when they have supportive parents in regards to their affirmed identity. It literally changes their lives. It changes how they perform in school. It changes how they perform in the schools that they are in. It we, There literally has been enough study to prove that this is the case. And so I don't know how long it's going to take them to prove it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, mean, I don't know how long it's going to take them to stop trying this, this route. But mm -hmm. law sides on the side of parents. I think as long as it doesn't go too far in the courts, then it should be okay. Um, mm -hmm. I don't really know. 
I will say I do know, like, I have a friend that does, deals with, like, gender discrimination cases, and they were like, we're backing off some cases and things, you know, and things like that because of, there's so many Trump appointees to these appellate courts and, and the federal courts and the, obviously, the Supreme Court, but um, I'm not as familiar with, with Texas, but I'm glad that, um, that the judge put the hold on this, you know, um, yeah. and I will, yeah. I mean, I guess my, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic, but I also have a know that there's like a window <laughs> for some BS. Because uh, that's why, that's why you see so many court cases coming. That's why you see so many like really ridiculous laws coming because they want to litigate them to get them to friendly judges to actually codify a lot of BS. You know, um, and so that's why you don't see as many like ACLU and some of these organizations they deal with these legal cases, you don't see them actually do, dealing with a lot of them because they know <laughs> the strategy is on the right to codify them with these people who, of uh, many of whom aren't qualified to be judges, like Amy Corman Barrett, right? Who has, you know, so, um, so that's the thing, but, you know, in this situation, this seems like this is working out, um, but yeah, I don't know because, you know, they're trying to South Africa, the situation with these courts, so. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree. Apartheid, okay, Serafina, yeah. Queen of Soweto, you know. <laughs> I think it'll be. On, I, I agree with you guys. I think that I, I agree with Diamond where she said that you know the it's always going to side like the court is always going to side with the parents, and I agree with you, JL, when you say you know we're probably it's probably going to be an ongoing situation because mm -hmm. if roe v Wade's overturned that's the pro that's the main privacy case because if roe v Wade's overturned that means they're going to overturn that case around sodomy in texas from mm -hmm. the 2000s early 2000s they're going to overturn anything related it, like it's going to change uh how the court looks at privacy yeah you know so that that's going to be interesting too to see how this, this shakes out uh with their decision I don't know. You know what I mean? I don't think they're going to yeah. completely overturn it, but I do know like because the case is so wrapped up around the issue of privacy that the fallout goes beyond just Roe v. Wade. You know? Yeah. Um, we can hear you down. While privacy is important to the Roe v. Wade, it's not the only one either. Privacy also revolves around the cases in regard to like um, uh, wives and husbands testifying against each other like mm -hmm. that was a, that the the root of the law saying that wives and husbands can't testify against be forced to testify or subpoenaed to testify that was mm -hmm. because of based in privacy too mm -hmm. and so and so it's funny how <laughs> these laws were made to, and twisted to uh, to help men <laughs> in in criminal cases Right. <laughs> to not for the court to not subpoena their wives to tell the true tea and literally um this may twist and turn to where it doesn't benefit them which uh i don't know if they want to open those can of worms when you when it comes yeah. to privacy i yeah. don't think they want to open up that yeah and that in the in the, the case with the sodomy law in texas that was uh lawrence versus texas Lawrence 2003. I remember that distinctly. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when I came, you remember that, Darling? Yes. I remember that. I was in college. I remember that came down. They were like, okay, well, I guess, you know, you can have, be fruity in the booty, you know? Yes, Texas, because they were be making offensive. it illegal. <laughs> I'm just joking, folks. Um, they were making it. reminds me of Tootie Fruity. Yes. All the Rudy. 
they were making it illegal, <laughs> sodomy illegal. And these were the things that were, yep. you know what I'm saying? These are the way that they were trying to keep these things on the, these antiquated laws about buggery. And what well, that's what they used to call it oh, back in the day, buggery, buggery. and wow. all these, all these weird ass <laughs> things, keep these antiquated laws on to demonize homosexuals. That's what it, all they were using it for. Cause it'd be fucking cases. It'd be laws for fucking the 1800s, buggery yeah. laws that they pulling out or sodomy laws that they're pulling out just to harass somebody because they are gay not because they right. did something wrong like lauren right. this was literally two consensual men having sex right. with each other <laughs> right I, I, not to get too much on a tangent but to your point just like when we think about how queer queer culture or even with trans culture how it's shaped it's often shaped by these laws so we think about people going to the park to have sex or cruising and things like that it was illegal to get caught sex <laughs> Period. Like, go Period. straight to jail. And right. then we're going to put your name in the newspaper. What's your picture? Right. Get you fired from your Can't job. Can't even go to the club. It had to be secret because exactly. they would offer in Dallas, the police officers used to stand, police officers, sheriffs used to stand outside of the gay club and write people's license plate numbers mm -hmm. down and put them and, and post them in newspapers. They used yeah. to harass the fuck out of us. Yeah. Like, yeah. literally. Yeah. Yeah, and so, yeah. <laughs> and so these kind of yeah. pri these privacy situations, they literally come out of not just um, it's so many things that are involved in our culture in regard to what privacy needs to protect. Th this checks and balances to keep the law out of our business, especially when it's not harming other people. That right. literally is a part. It's supposed to be in our system. Now we know as black people this system doesn't always work in our favor and you know it those laws usually protect <laughs> white people <laughs> more Const often than not constitutional right. apply to us yeah. honey we or know straight that. people uh, so we know mm -hmm. that but intentionally the intention is to protect the citizens protect the citizens and protect the privacy to do what they want in their own home that is within reason and so um mm. You know, I think that's really, really important that that's a really important call out, Jay, because, you know, privacy is important and it's important to a lot of people, not just queer people, not just women, but, you know, other entities that benefit from that kind of privacy. And so it's, yeah. it's interesting to see them try to dismantle these kind of things, because I feel like that's going to kind of bite them in the butt. You have you have families who are suing court uh, uh, the court or schools because they're teaching trans subjects, and from what you said, LJ, your topic, the education mm -hmm. part of it is the reason why we're starting to see a lot of the progress as right. far as visibility, as far yep. as people um, knowing how they identify. So that that's the, I think that's the root cause of it, and they find all these loopholes like. Um, uh, trying to say we're trying to protect the children by calling CPS and mm -hmm. um, the doctor trying to get rid of doctors' jobs who specifically cater to the LBGT community or trans community. So, um, yeah, I think once we can get past the education part, a lot of things will change. So, hashtag Marsha's Play um, and tell us what you think about that topic. So, I, I think that goes right into the topic that I kind of want to bring. So, cause when we think about privacy and we think about just a whole different perspective and who benefits against the against these laws being dismantled, who, why, the, the silent beneficiaries of some of these laws that we're not really looking at, I really want to um, kind of point this out. 
So I want to talk about abortion. So um, data around abortion is quite extensive. And we know that it's a um, we know that it's like one in every four U.S. women who will have an abortion. And it's like 60 percent are in their 20s. We know that about 70 percent are low income. We know that about 60 percent are religious. We know that more than half already have children. So these are some basic statistics around who who is what birthing people are having abortions okay um there is very little though (laughs) data around men who benefit from these abortions let alone demographic data that characterizes this particular population now of course it is totally understandable that the data should demonstrate the benefits that abortion access has to those who can become pregnant. We know that the importance of that, but just for the sake of this conversation, I personally don't think um, birthing people should be shouldering all of the reproductive justice responsibility. I am very interested in um, these people who, you know, you a, a, con, a conceived baby is takes two people (laughs) and so being that it takes two people i think that we really have to um i think a lot of times we put the onus on the person who actually has to carry when it comes to the responsibility for this reproductive justice fight because of the benefits um but i also feel like the, the people who contribute to the conception also benefit from this abortion fight and the abortion rights actually existence for everybody like mm-hmm. i i really really feel that we should be talking about um not centering them but definitely pointing out why y'all need to be in this fight too because y'all benefited from it so what we have learned um in some of the studies that have been done is that one in four one in i'm sorry one in five men now remember, this is very, very. Um, there's very, very little data, so it, there's tons more that needs to be done. But one in five men have played a part in an abortion. Um, but they think that this is a low number because you know people misreport things because of the stigma that comes with being involved with an abortion. Also, because they are unaware that the abortion even occurred by the person that they got pregnant. So they can't even report that they were involved right. in an abortion because right. they didn't know because it's not none of their fucking business in the sense of this is their body. And so therefore, you know, they went and got their medical shit done without anybody knowing. Um, and right. so and that comes along with stigma, too. I don't want I don't even I didn't even want to have a conversation with that nigga because we just was fucking and I don't want to have no conversation about no baby right. with him. So I didn't even tell him I went and got an abortion. So so mm-hmm. many reasons why men would either misreport or not report that they were involved in an abortion. But I want to talk about the benefits that come along with being the beneficiary of abortion child. Look, everybody benefits um, when an individual can control reproduction. 
but the benefits can be very, very invisibilized for cis men since they don't absorb the physical risk of pregnancy. And it's and it's not literally like um, written on their bodies. They don't have to carry, they don't have to deal with the scars or the trauma, the, the, trauma, the scars that come from having on a, your body, yeah. on your body that comes along with um, the pregnancy or the abortion. They don't have to deal with any of those things. And so there's a professor out in um, of sociology in in the um, University of Chicago, um, not Chicago, University of um, Colorado out in Denver, where she had done a study of 20 men. And out of the 20 men, they sampled that they were involved with 30 abortions. So what this would suggest is that a smaller number of men are involved with, of, of involved with a larger portion of because they can get multiple women pregnant, <laughs> and mm. they can actually have more cases of getting abortions, <laughs> of the abortions actually occurring. And so this literally further supports the need of understanding their position. When she talked to these men in these cases, they literally were saying they did not have to drop out of school all these opportunities come with income and educational level, right? And because they weren't able to not have children, because they were able for the person to not, to the access to the, the person they got pregnant to have an abortion, they didn't have to drop out of school. They didn't have right. to choose their career over starting a family. They didn't have to choose, they didn't have to think about too long, is this the person that I'm gonna have to be connected with? <laughs> for the 18 years like right. literally because the abortion happened they were able to go on with their life and pursue their careers and pursue everything that they wanted to do <laughs> whether mm -hmm. it be a new girl whether it be a new job whether it be more education without having the burden of a child so that yeah. is clear benefits of them so they have I, and I'm, i want to point i'm pointing this out because there should be more men supporting this kind of work that birthing people are doing. I think yeah. that there should be more cis men on this side of the fight, especially if you are a person who have literally benefited, funded, <laughs> if you have paid for abortions to be had, if you have, um, you know, benefited from abortion rights existing then you need to be involved in this fight. You need to put your money where your mouth is, fund some of this work that's being done. I'm not talking about centering them because I think birthing people should be right. centered, but I feel like cis men should be playing a financial part in funding this kind of work. I feel like y'all should be there supporting, <laughs> carpooling, whatever you need to do to help this social justice fight go on because birthing people are not the only ones who are benefiting from an abortion. Abortion rights existing and the right to choose. You too have benefited if you are a person who is involved with conceiving a baby and them having a choice to be able to terminate or not. So what y'all think about that? Um, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, I think, I think, you know, more cis men should be involved. I think also like, 
particularly cis men with money, been involved with a lot of, you know, I've supported a lot of abortions on the low. <laughs> Donald Trump, I'm sure, has paid for plenty of abortions. Um, you know, so that's a thing over by itself over there. But I think for the general population <laughs> that is not, which is most people, um, yeah, I, de I, I definitely 100% agree that uh, it's important to have that voice, hear that voice, um, or have these voices rather uplifted um, so that other cis men can be supported in that because it's definitely a marginalized kind of thing to be associated with. Like you put you in a marginalized community. And if you're in any kind of marginalized community, in my, my opinion, it's really important to be in community with other people um, to you know have that support system uh, because I'm sure a cis man who is open about supporting uh, reproductive justice for uh, birthing people would probably get pushback, right? And from other people, if they're open about that. So that's why I think being in community with other cis men who are about that life is really important too, to help combat, to get you know tips or whatever, how to deal with folks that throw that shade, or also be able to get the tips to be able to talk to some sense into other cis men um, and get them on board to you know be more, um, have more agency around that and support the partners. Um, but yeah, those are my initial thoughts. Um, you know, there's a there's a lot there's a lot of reasons. You know, infant mortality rate is horrible for Black women, Black birthing people. Horrible. You know, folks aren't surviving <laughs> giving birth. You know, that's another reason too. You know, in addition to um, many of the other things you brought up, Diamond. Um, so yeah, those are those are some of my uh, initial thoughts. But yeah, I, I you know what I did see some pushback. On, on the interwebs about this. I did see people on the Twitter being like, why would they highlight men's, men, cis men? Well, then people weren't saying cis men, but they were like, men don't have a role in this conversation. Why, 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 why are people highlighting the stories of men? And um, to your point, I mean, I think people are gonna read that article or know it exists and, and see themselves in it. That's why it's important to have, have, have some visibility in my opinion around that kind of work that's happening. Well, the problem is men have the power in these law systems. Like literally, we only got three women on the fucking court system right now. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's not yeah. about centering them where they are the last say. I don't think they should be the center of, of the say, mm -hmm. but the lack of focus on men's involvement in reproductive exactly. health can exactly. lead to men tuning out the battle for abortion rights. I feel like yes. they can tune it out and see, think that they this doesn't involve them. And I think it can, and, and they can really become opposed to it because they don't see that they have skin in the game. Right. And so yeah. I know, I don't feel like they should be center. I don't feel like they should be center at all. I think that they should be helping. I feel like whatever birthing people are doing and feel is the best route to be going, th they should be involved in helping it financially. They should be involved in helping see how we can make these wheels turn. What power do you have at your office? What power do you have at your job? What power do can you bring to birthing people's fight to fight against people who are against this like I don't think they should be centered at all and so um but I do understand that there is a pushback I think they're also you know there's this inherent tension around questioning what role men should be able to play in abortion decisions uh, there's I get that I totally because they shouldn't have no role when it comes to the individual decisions Decision, that a right. birthing person should be able to make about their body but they should have a role in the community Push, support. support 
that's what I mean. I don't think I'm not talking about censoring men in the sense of that individual person's decision, but y'all need to be involved with this fight because y'all benefit from this shit. Y'all, it's not just the, the teen, 14 year old girl who life did, who life would have been changed if she was got pregnant, benefiting that little boy that got her pregnant or that grown ass man that groomed her to get pregnant. We know that fucking happens. They Very benefited awesome. too. They benefit from her not having that baby as well. So y'all need to be supporting the fight against, um, you know, pro-lifers. Y'all need to be involved in the fight. Whether they support, they don't. They still benefit if they have money. Because the way that um, child support is set up, it, all, they gotta, all the mother has to do is file child support. We see it with um, high-profile men all the time. They're like, they just pay the child support and go about their business. Right. It, the only people it really affects is like the low-income men. And sometimes it doesn't. So like, like, the only the only way their life is really disrupt is disrupted is when you know they're taken to jail because of child support payments and stuff like that. But if they can bypass all of that, whether they support or not, they still they still don't have like um, full accountability. Well, still re repercussions from I don't even like to say repercussions like uh, they still don't have um, anything that like specifically debtors them when a child is born unless they're involved yeah yeah they can totally bounce <laughs> you know now granted the government might come for you later for all that backpack so just so people know they gonna come for you anyway um yeah. you can't you know you don't just get out of it because you're not paying it today they will find you eventually yeah. and ask for all of that money um yeah. but outside of the monetary right outside, outside when you get of, to like yeah. When you get to like a certain amount that you owe, you can't even work. Yep. All your yep. your wages are garnished. Yep. They will find you. Yeah, for folks who have resources, paying child support is not an issue. For folks who don't, it is. Uh, yeah, but that's not the only reason you should be involved in uh, supporting your partner if they have a child or supporting them if they are like, no, I don't want to have a child with you or at all, or I don't want to have this trauma on my body for the next seven to nine months or what have you. I don't want mm -hmm. to, you know, have to, you know, as mentioned earlier, right. Stop working or actually work up until the day I have to give birth. And then not only that, get a bill from the hospital and be told you need to be out the hospital within 24 hours and be expected to go back to work after I'm just done had a baby out of my body. And then my body is still traumatized because I just held a human in it and it has to heal Surge like you know whether you got a C-section or a vaginal birth, right? Like your body is fucked up after you give birth. You have to like has to readjust on the inside and all this other stuff. Like it's not it's you know um, the it's not a it is it's a big deal. <laughs> it's a big deal. But all right, and yeah. the burden is on them, but the benefits spread it, it reverberates not only for them they're not the only one that holds the benefits it benefits the people who also <laughs> don't have the effects won't feel the effects of this baby once they make that decision also benefit from that and they should be involved not centered they should be involved in that fight they should be involved in especially financial if you got some coins these rich dudes you done paid from some for some abortions 
multiple, you need right. to be putting your money in this fight so you can continue <laughs> to benefit from this this these laws being on the books to be able to protect this right to have an abortion. So I just wanted to kind of bring that up um, and see yeah. what y'all think. So audience, y'all tell me what y'all think. Do y'all think that it's, you know, do you think they should just stay out and mind their business or do you think they should be involved in, in, um, in this fight as well? And like I said, I'm not talking about centering them. I'm talking about them supporting. And so um, tell us what you think. Hashtag Marsha's Play. So, y'all, what is bringing y'all euphoria this week? What is bringing y'all joy? The babies, the children, the younger people, not the children, they're, they're young adults. The young adults are bringing me joy this week. Um, I went to a little get together and uh, the way it was set up, uh, it, was, it was cool. It was like lots of trans folks. It was a mixed crowd, trans folks, his folks, uh, and for someone's birthday. And uh, uh, we were out, you know, some places you can be outside and the thing, you have your area, people have another area. So our area, you know, we had our music going and then they turned it off for a little bit. And this other crowd came and they had their music on and then they started playing Robert, Robert Kelly. Right. Mm -hmm. Sit down, Robert. And so to see the young people, all these little, these cis, these younger cis women, uh, just real quick, turn that off, turn it off, turn it off now, turn it off now, turn it off. And then everybody's sitting over with, with who they were with. They were like, everybody's looking around. They're like, no, that's not us. Oh, that's them. They need to turn that off. Somebody said, what's going on? They playing our, our kill. They got to turn that off. And it was just so beautiful to see these young black women, cis women, have that agency and power in that moment to be like, uh-uh, turn it off now. And they weren't even, the, the folks that, that were like, turn this shit off now, weren't even necessarily sitting next to each other. And they got together. It just, it, it, it brought me so much before to see them feel empowered and to have that kind of agency and to hold other Black people accountable for playing that music by this artist. Um, it was a beautiful thing, you know, because I definitely remember, you know, it not being okay. Well, not necessarily being okay, but the pushback Myself and other people I knew would get uh, for over for over a decade being like, turn this off, turn this off. We're not here for it. I'm not here for it, DJ. I'm not here for it, period. You know, and it wasn't necessarily as even, you know, I think since uh, the, you know, the interview that Gail King did is definitely shifted and the documentary definitely shifted things finally a little bit more around when it comes to dude. But it was just nice to see these young people be like, nah, fuck all that. Like now. Like, 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 we're not going to hide and be like, we're not going to sit over here and be like, oh, it's okay. No, 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 no. Turn that shit off now. We're not going to stop complaining about it until you turn it off. Oh, you're not with us? We don't care. Turn it off. So that that brought me euphoria just to see to see these young Black folks be, just have so much agency in that moment to be like, oh, hell no. <laughs> so that that brought me euphoria, you know, just to see these, see these young people just be like, no, we have a different set of standards over here. And this is not acceptable with us and feel empowered uh, to do so. Uh, so that brought me euphoria. Black Girl Magic brought me euphoria this week. So, What about you, Mia? Pride. Mm. I'm just, I, I always feel good during this month. Like just to see the representation, see everybody like um, make money. Like people in the community be able to, um, especially people who advocate, people who are doing the work, who people who, are just putting their foot in the field. Like, um, it's amazing to see people really make their coins. Mm. Mm, absolutely. I think that's beautiful. I think pride, pride, you're right. Pride does always feel good. It feels like um, 
sometimes almost like a reset like oh okay you know we Mm. i'm seeing new people i'm getting introduced to new people who are out here new babies new activists new um stories that i didn't hear about that i had never known i didn't know it was a um uh, school for queer folks in Alabama of all the states like I didn't wow. I didn't know that that existed so I'm always learning something during pride um, about somebody out here doing their thing and I think that's beautiful I think that's I think that's a perfect um, a perfect way to get to euphoria um, me lately I have been doing um, a lot of gigs and I have been feeling very fly as fuck and as a plus size woman it is really difficult to be fly all the well i want to say difficult uh because you know we make shit work but it's it's you know we don't have access to a lot of the clothes that a smaller girl has access to because we are plus size i'm a size 22 um and so it's really really difficult but in these past couple of past couple of months i really have honey honed in on my flyness <laughs> i've always been fly but you know i i want to give a shout out what's been bringing me joy is places that really cater to plus size bodies that i have been able to find fly ass not matronly ass fucking clothes because sometimes you when you get in the plus size area of different places they'll have some shit that look like honey you know, this is for you know, an older woman. It's not fly. It's not not saying there's any problem with older, but a matronly woman that is trying to be a certain level of, um, you know, respectability. I want to be cute and fashion right. forward. I want to be that kind of stuff as a plus size woman. Those play those plus size catering entities. They don't just do plus size, but the fact that they extend to my size makes me feel great. It makes me feel like I look good and gives me confidence and it brings me to euphoria. So thank y'all for listening to the show. (laughs) We will see y'all next week. We will talk to y'all next Thursday, of course. And yeah, y'all be safe out in these streets and continue to try to get your euphoria any way that you can. Bye y'all. thank you for watching this video make sure you thumbs up and share it to other people and also make sure you have subscribed and hit the notification bell because i am going to continue to expand this transgender archive of interviews and i don't want you to miss it we're gonna have more to come make sure you follow me down on instagram facebook and all that other kind of social media stuff all those links is down at the bottom see you there